I look like a leg. Everything hit. Everything hit. Welcome back to the greatest fantasy football podcast of all time. My name is Jack. Hey, you know it's good over here. What's going on, folks? We hope you guys are enjoying your lovely fall afternoons as we now enter week six of the fantasy football season. Uh, a lot of injuries this week. A lot of fucking injuries, dude. A lot of big injuries as well. I mean, just stuff that you would never really want to happen to your team. Especially, I mean, we had probably one of the first two or three picks off your drafts. Probably out on IR for four or so weeks. Maybe even some people are asking themselves, might be the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? How are we going to try to recover from some of these, Ja? Yeah, so if you guys haven't heard the news already, Justin Jefferson is set to be placed on IR. Actually, I believe he's already on IR, do though. Yep. Um, and so at minimum, the guy's going to go ahead and miss the next four weeks due to a hamstring injury. So if you guys don't know shit about hamstring injuries, they are one of the worst injuries that you can have as a receiver or a uh, running back. Honestly, as an athlete in general, I mean, like, it just hinders you so much from getting to that next gear. Like, yeah. obviously, everyone can go out and run. You couldn't go out right now, and you can go run out in a parking lot or whatever, and you think, oh, I might be fast as fuck. Mm-hmm. Well, these motherfuckers, they're going to go do the same thing, except they got an extra couple of gears ahead of you, and that's what makes them elite. It's because of those muscles, those hamstrings, and once those are gone, you're kind of fucked. You are fucked. And so with Justin Jefferson being the explosive athlete that he is, he's going to miss at least the next four weeks trying to, you know, mend that hand, that hamstring. And, you know, in Minnesota, we now have to find who his replacement's going to be, Dugo. Um, and so we have guys like K.J. Osborne, Jordan Addison, T.J. Hawkinson, uh, who are the receivers within that scheme that are now going to see more target volume. And let me ask you, Dugo, actually, um, you know, of those three guys, who are you most confident in to step up in Justin Jefferson's options? Well, I think realistically, I think the person we can probably see the biggest bump in production is probably going to be Jordan Addison, I would assume. Yep. Um. Other than that, I think that T.J. Hawkinson is going to get a lot more shorter work than what we're, than what we've seen at least the first or the last couple of weeks. Uh, you saw this past week, Hawkinson kind of got shut down a bit. Yep. Um. I I think that they're probably going to be scheming him open. I think KOC is going to have him in his back pocket just because if you look at that team right now, they're kind of sputtering. They need something to get them going. They do. And when you saw the connection that. Uh, you know, that Cousins and Hawkinson had last year once he was traded from the Lions over to the Vikings. Mm. Hawkinson absolutely ate. Yep. And so I believe that if they're able to get him going, I don't know exactly if this is going to make their offense, you know, like go 100% or whatever, like Justin Jefferson's in there. But I do think that it's at least going to add a little bit more explosion to their offense. And if you're able to move him elsewhere, so not just like in the regular tight end position, like right off tackle, not even in the slot, but I'm thinking if you can put him on the perimeter and get some of those matchups, I think that you can get TJ Hawkinson almost working damn near like a a Travis Kelsey type. That's just kind of what I'm thinking right now, just because when you look at those other cats, I mean, Jordan Jordan Addison, he's a great athlete. KJ Osborne's a good athlete. They have a Brandon Powell who's all right. Mm-hmm. But overall, like the guy who actually has the most size, the guys who probably have probably the best hands, in my opinion, is TJ Hawkinson. And so that's who I want to be catching the balls for me. I mean, especially when my number one is down. Exactly. I 100% agree with you. 
And I do think think that this is going to be an offense that starts to run the ball a little bit more. Uh, I could see Cam Maker starting to get integrated within this offense as they try to keep it on the ground and, you know what I'm saying, like maybe slightly shift what their offensive strategy is. I agree with you, but one thing, so, you know, when we're watching the games and stuff like that, you always hear like little tidbits and stuff that like the announcers are saying that the head coaches have told them and passing or whatever. Yep. One thing that I had heard this past week during the game is that whenever they had that fake punt where they gave Ty Chandler the ball, the last thing that they said is, well, Kevin O'Connell said in future years be watching out for Ty Chandler. So I truly do think that if they are going to start running the ball a little bit more, I think that Ty Chandler might be a bigger part than what people are expecting. I think that they're going to have to run the ball more without Justin Jefferson there. Yeah. Because, like, we saw K.J. Osborne just skip a touchdown over his helmet that he didn't even see uh, in the end zone towards the end of that game in Kansas City. We know that T.J. Hawkinson's a dog, but he's also a tight end. And, you know, Jordan Addison is a rookie, which we have to keep in mind as much as we love Jordan Addison here at Gumbo, right? Like he was a guy that we came into the season telling you was going to be explosive. He was going to be great. Um, And he's someone that I think is going to see a surge in terms of production. But once again, this team is going to start running the ball a little bit more. And honestly, their next four games, I believe, are against the 49ers, the Packers, the Falcons. Um, And those are games that I think are somewhat winnable. I think they play the Bears as well within those next four games. So a couple of those are soft defenses, especially when you talk about, you know, like the Bears. Um, I think those are games in which that you could see the offense still be somewhat productive. Yeah, I, I really think that this week against the Bears, because that's who they're playing this next week, I think this is where they're going to have to get that offense kind of figured out with who is going to be that next guy. Yes. I mean, it's a perfect defense to do so in live situation. I mean, obviously the Bears aren't absolutely terrible. They fucking somehow are able to squeeze out a winner. So so we'll see what can happen. I mean, the Vikings aren't much either. But if there's a team that I want an offense to go against or a defense that I want my offense to go against, it's probably the Bears in, in this situation. And I'm just... I'm hoping to see some sort of production. I mean, we'll see what happens with KJ Osborne. I just, I don't want to say that all my hope is out on him, but I really do like Jordan Addison. I really do like TJ Hawkinson. And I do like the idea of running the ball a lot more than getting the ball into KJ Osborne's hands. I'm investing in KJ Osborne this week on waiver wire. I think he's going to slip into that X spot where Justin Jefferson used to, you know, uh, hold it down. And I do think Jordan Addison's going to see an uptick in target. Both and, those guys. I don't know. I feel, like he's, I feel like KJ is going to play second fiddle. I think he's going to be playing second fiddle. I think mm-hmm. that we could honestly see. I think that TJ might have to play the ultimate slot, like pretty much throughout the game and almost play like 100% of the snaps. Yeah, I think he's going to play more snaps as well. Uh, and I guess speaking of snaps, we know that Devin A. Chan is another guy, or Devin A. Devin A. Chan, I'm sorry. Uh, was a running back who was exploding on a fantasy this year, man. He was electric. Electric. But he's going to be out the next few weeks with a knee injury. Uh, I think I heard on the uh, Twitter app that Ian Rappaport said he's going to be week to week these next few weeks, most likely missing two to three. And Devin Achan was explosive. He's the number three running back in fantasy football. Dude was... He was just like a jolt of lightning, even on a 
team that already has a ton of lightning. Yeah, I mean, he has the second most amount of rushing yards and the second most amount of touchdowns in the NFL behind Christian McCaffrey. Yes. I mean, you can't do much more than that. And then, yeah, like he hasn't seen a lot of PPR work, but I mean, give the guy a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a break. I mean, he's already done so much for you. Seven touchdowns and three games. Unreal, dude. Just a beast. His best comparable, if you guys, once again, follow Player Profiler. His best comparable is Chris Johnson, CJ2K. Hell yeah. Dude has a 4-3-2-40, one of the fastest 40s in the NFL, and he was electric. And that Miami Dolphins backfield is a lot more lucrative than we thought it was going to be coming into the season, Dugo. Yeah. You know, last year it was Tua, it was Waddle, it was Tyreek, and it was just a pass game that kind of lit shit up. Uh, but this year, the running backs are electric. Um, Devin A. Chan was number two in the NFL in rushing guards. He was number three amongst running backs in total touchdowns, and he was number one in yards per touch. He was the most explosive running back in the NFL by far. Right. So who's going to replace that work? Well, I guess Jeff Wilson's coming back. Yep. Word on the street is. Jeff Wilson should be back this week, healthy, ready to go. I mean, Raheem Mostert's not going anywhere. So, I mean, if you have his stock, Mm -hmm. obviously keep that in your back pocket. Make sure you're playing him still, but... Yeah, I would say if you're out there right now looking for someone, especially if you had Devin A. Chain stock, if you had uh, James Conner stock, definitely go out and look for some Jeff Wilson Jr. stock. Yeah, Jeff Wilson has a history with Mike McDaniels in San Francisco. He has history with Mike McDaniels last year on this Miami Dolphins roster. And, you know, he's coming off of IR. He has not officially been put back on the roster from IR, so... Like, before, I guess, you go and spend all your fab on him this week, know that he has not been activated yet for week six. And another guy that I really, really enjoy, that I really like, and I think is a deep sleeper, is a guy by the name of Chris Brooks. He's a running back coming out of BYU, Dugo. Okay. And he is, I think, I want to say he's the biggest back in the Miami Dolphins backfield. Damn, dude, you just can't get enough of those BYU boys. Love him, man. Puka Puka. But, you know, Chris Brooks, is he's a 23-year-old running back. He's on the Dolphins. He's a rookie. He's a young guy, so there's not a ton of NFL tape on the guy. Um, but ultimately, I mean, he's 6'1". He's 219. He was an undrafted free agent. But he came into the season as the RB3 uh, for the Dolphins roster. And if you guys watched him in preseason, he was fucking electric. He was electric. He was somebody that, like, honestly, if you watched him in the preseason and you saw what he was able to do, you could put that guy on a backfield like the uh, New England Patriots, and I think that he could easily be their RB2. Okay. Behind Ramondre Stevenson. Hell yeah. That's sick. He's my deep sleeper. Um, I think that he has a really strong possibility of getting work going into this next week. We know that Raheem Mostert's another running back who has a lot of injury concerns sometimes. What I'll say is with Raheem Mostert, you know, he's somebody who's going to start to see more work, and we know that he's injury prone. Uh, Chris Brooks is someone that I love. He's a deep waiver wire pickup. He's damn near going to be free in your fantasy leagues. And why not, man? I want every piece of this Miami Dolphins offense I can get to go. Honestly, dude, like that's, yes, I would say pretty much that and like the 49ers right now are pretty much the guys that I want on my team. Yep. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you sprinkle some Eagles in there, you know, obviously, the obviously mm-hmm. there's some other guys out there as well, like a Jamar Chase who absolutely fucking popped off this week. I yes, mean, he obviously, he's not in either of those teams, but that's a guy that we've talked about in the past, and he's an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what? Before we get into Jamar Chase and the big game that he had in week five, a couple other injuries that are big for your fantasy teams are Anthony Richardson and James Conner. Both those guys are on my dynasty team. Which sucks. Sucks ass, dude. R.I.P. Moving forward, I guess, who are some guys that you might be considering picking up? Because, you know, when it comes to Anthony Richardson, per se, um, I mean, that's kind of hard to replace. He's a Russian quarterback. Yeah, man, it is tough. Uh, so, I mean, right now, obviously, depends on, like, what your guys' dynasty leagues are like. But as of, at, at least ours, like, we have super deep benches, so it's a little bit tougher to find some of those replacements. Uh, so, as of right now, I don't really have much of a replacement for James Conner other than pretty much the guys on my bench. Uh, you can go out and you can try to get the Imani guy who's going to be his uh, replacement, it seems like. Mm-hmm. I mean, Samari Pirine, he can always do a little bit of PPR work for you. But, I mean, I would probably just stick with who you have on your bench because you probably have more faith in them than anyone else on your wire. Yep. As far as my replacement for Anthony Richardson, I mean, obviously you can just go out and you can get some Gardner Minshew stock. I really think that it's going to be a direct comparison. I think that you might get some more air yards from him compared yeah. to rushing yards. I agree. But Gardner Minshew's a fucking beast every time I'm every time I've seen him out there. Also, a guy who's been kind of going under the radar that we were talking about a little earlier was Desmond Ritter. Yep. Desmond Ritter had the best week out of all fantasy quarterbacks last week, and he absolutely balled out. He's actually shown to have a better year so far than some people like a Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, when you're thinking about like Dak Prescott, that's even better than Derek Carr. It's better than a lot of motherfuckers. So, I mean, you find points in the weirdest situations, guys. So, I mean, don't limit your minds. I mean, obviously, Desmond Ritter's had some bad weeks. But, I mean, if Artie, Artie Smith can get him integrated into that system fully and get him comfortable that I honestly think that he's going to be a QB that you can be looking towards for the future. And if you're in a dynasty league, keep him on your fucking bench. I mean, what the hell? Like he might be absolutely balling out. He might turn into something even spectacular for years to come. Mm -hmm. I think a replacement that I like for Anthony Richardson would be someone like a Bryce Young. That's fair. I just feel like in most dynasty leagues, if we're talking dynasty for a second, he's, he's gone. Like, Oh, 100%. He's already drafted. He's in someone's taxi. Yeah. You're but, 100% right on that. Well, if you did by chance draft him in a redraft league, then yeah, I could possibly see Bryce Young. But at the same time, like Bryce Young is kind of a, I don't know, man. I don't want to say he's kind of a head case right now, but it, it's, that's not a good offense for the Panthers. And I mean, they aren't moving the ball much. I would much rather honestly feel a little safer with a Desmond Ritter. And Dynasty, this is a true streaming. This is going to be a a streaming battle for you for the next few weeks. Because I don't I don't think there's any guy available in a dynasty league that's going to be consistently great for you. The closest thing you're going to get to that is maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to have his occasional two touchdown, 275-yard games. Uh, hopefully he doesn't throw picks in those weeks. Right. But uh, with that, you have to mix in the Jimmy Garoppolo, two picks, 180 yards, no rushing yard type of games in which – you know what I'm saying? You get maybe six, seven, eight points. And maybe even a, a fumble in there as well. I mean, it always seems like he's fumbling. My recommendation for you, if you have Anthony Richardson in Dynasty, but you don't know what to do, is I would be conservative with the fab, especially if you play in one quarterback Dynasty Leagues, and I would just go week-to-week streaming. I would just get the guy who has the best matchup. Okay. If, what about what if we're talking redraft, though? If you're talking redraft, I like somebody like a Derek Carr who's coming off that shoulder injury, that AC injury. 
Okay. He has the best group of receivers when it comes to available free agent quarterbacks that are likely, you know what I'm saying, on your waiver wires. Yeah, I do like myself some Chris Olave a lot. And, you know, you have Rashid Shaheed as well. Yes. And you also have Michael Thomas, who has actually put up a surprisingly decent year so far. Exactly. And he's healthy, man. He's healthy a month into the season, which we haven't seen in so damn long. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Crazy. So for quarterbacks, I mean, Derek Carr is someone that I don't mind spending a few bucks fab on. If you really want to take a deep shot, you can go for like a, you know, a Bryce Young who's going to play Miami this week in a high-scoring affair. Uh, but for running backs with James Conner, who's probably, you know, running backs are pretty crucial to your fantasy lineup. I would not start Bryce Young. <laughs> running Bro, back, no. No. No, not Bryce Young. Don't don't start Bryce Young this week. The the Miami Dolphins are getting Jalen Phillips back, who is going to be an absolute terror on that uh defensive line. He they're gonna get a lot of sacks. There's gonna be way too much pressure for Bryce Young this week. Do not start him at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's a volume game. I don't think the the Panthers haven't put up any volume at all this year. How do you think they're gonna put up volume against a pretty decent defense? They went for three touchdowns against the Lions defense last week, which has a better pass rush with Aiden Hutchinson. Nah, not against. I I would say that the Dolphins I think have a better defense than the Lions. I disagree there. Hundred percent disagree. Hundred percent. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the 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 neither of those defenses are elite. But I think it's going to come down to the Panthers are going to get down against the Dolphins, who are going to score a bunch of points. Yep. And they're going to have to throw by default almost, Dugo. Yeah, I mean, like, I think by default, but I, I just don't think that it's going to be Bryce Young getting them into the end zone. And that's where you get the majority of your points as a, you know, in fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I just think, like, if you have, like, an Adam Thielen or someone who can get a shit ton of points off a of yardage, sure. Mm-hmm. But someone who's only getting a point per 30 yards, I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say I still like Bryce Young going into next week. He may not put up the same, you know, three-touchdown game that he had last week against Detroit. Uh, but I do think that he's going to go out there and get a lot of pass attempts, which you typically like to see if mm-hmm. you're streaming. But when it comes to running backs and James Conner, who's going to miss time. On IR. On IR for the next four weeks, he's not going to come back until closer to Thanksgiving. If I'm going out there and I'm investing in someone, I, I like Deontay Foreman. I do too, especially on that uh, Bears offense that, I mean, like, they've already, I'm not sure exactly where uh, uh, Johnson's injuries at. I know that he had just left. Yep. Uh, But, yeah, I, I just don't think that Cleo Herbert's going to be healthy going into the next week either. Yep. And so, yeah, Deontay Foreman for sure needs to be getting at least a little bit of fab. I mean, that guy's going to be the starter this next week, I believe. And going against a Minnesota or defense that has been pretty stagnant, I I would like to have that stock a lot. That would definitely be a flex play for me. I think a big reason I like Deontay Foreman moving forward is because the next few weeks of his of his schedule are pretty cake. Okay. Read them off for me. So he has Minnesota this week, yep. and Minnesota's a softer defense. They're towards the bottom of the league um, in total defense. And the week after that, he gets the Raiders, who just let up 70 yards to A.J. fucking Dillon. A.J. Dillon hasn't had a good year. A.J. Dillon had his game of the year against the Raiders. Um, so I think that Deontay Foreman, especially with the high ankle sprain that Khalil Herbert surf- suffered, I do think that Deontay Foreman, who was signed as the one-year veteran, is going to get his opportunity to return value to the team. 
on a run-heavy offense that's going to have a lot of cake matchups coming up. And I think that Deontay Foreman over the next two, three weeks could be serviceable. As much as you may or may not like Roshan Johnson, uh, Roshan Johnson is not going to go in there and be a workhorse back. It's going to be shared work. And I do think that Deontay Foreman is going to see his opportunities next week. I don't know if Roshan's going to play because he had a concussion scare. Yep. But regardless, I think Deontay is going to see touches. And when you're already digging through, you know what I'm saying, like a waiver wire that may not be, you know, oh so deep at running back, uh, Deontay Foreman is a pretty fine option for me. You know, if I play in a 12, 14 team uh, type of league and, you know, right. waivers are thin. Right. No, I agree with you on that. Who do you like more? Quick question, and we can move on. But uh, Keontae Ingram and Amani, uh, DeMar- DeMarco, whatever his last name is. Damani or uh, or Imani? Dem- Yo, Amani Damani's crazy. Uh, I would honestly say uh, Amari DiMarcato. So I personally think that Keontae Ingram should be getting a little bit more work. I mean, he got a little bit of draft cap last year, but for some reason they like the Damani guy and. If there's one thing that I do like, it's red zone backs. This guy is definitely built for the red zone more than what Ingram is. So in the sheer fact of just being out there, being out there for sure, I mean, it's going to be easier for, I think, Damani to get into the end zone. He's just a smaller back as far as size, but he runs with a little bit more power, in my opinion. So I just think that Damani or Damani. his name is just not Damani. It's Amari. It's a... Yeah, we've been fucking Amari. up his name for the last the whole podcast. Yeah. So Amari Di Mercado. Amari Di Mercado. Mm. I think that this motherfucker is going to be the red zone back, in my opinion. I don't think that you're going to have a lot of room for him inside of the twenty or outside the twenties. But I do think that he's going to end up getting another touchdown, I'd assume. They did t- uh, sign Tony Jones, mm-hmm. who could be interesting. But, I mean, obviously they're going to go with who's familiar. This guy at least has scored a touchdown for them already this year. So I would assume I'd have a little bit more faith in him. But mm-hmm. four things have surprised me. You know, like I would, I would want to say Ingram, but Imani DiMarco. DiMarcado. DiMarcado. God damn. It's hard, yeah. Amari uh, DiMarcado. A lot of R's. Yeah, I, I think that he he'll probably be the lead back, unfortunately, or at least get the most fantasy points. Yeah. I think if I'm replacing James Conner, I'm going to get a running back from a different team. I think that James Conner is so good that he elevated the Cardinals' offense. Definitely did. But without him being in that offense and with that offense already kind of being, you know, uh, just strapped for talent, when you take out maybe even their best player in James Conner, I think the offense does regress. And if that offense is regressing, I don't really want too much of it on my team. And truth be told, if I'm replacing James Conner, I'm looking at a Chris Brooks, I'm looking at a Jeff Wilson, I'm looking at a, a Deontay Foreman. I'm looking at somebody on an offense that scores points that could potentially provide value. Right. If you can go get Elijah Mitchell, who missed last week, I don't know if he's going to be out for extended time. But I'm looking at backups on other teams that have a little bit more efficiency scoring and, uh, you know, with offense. Yep. Because, once again, you take out James Conner in Arizona, and as impressive as they might be just for simply sticking in games, they're maybe losing their best offensive player. Right. Right. Yeah, I would – Uh, 
Elijah Mitchell, I think, is going to be back this week. It looked like at least he's projected to be back. Um, I That's interesting, though, man. I just feel like the 49ers, they have ran so heavy with McCaffrey. I really thought that Elijah Mitchell was going to be more of a handcuff to him this year. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been that case at all. So I just don't know how confident I would be with throwing Elijah Mitchell into a flex role. I mean, it'd be interesting. It'd be sweet if it paid off, but I like what count you, me out on that. I like what you did in our redraft league where you keep where you kept Elijah Mitchell on your bench. I think he's a smart bench stash because we're only five weeks into the season. Yeah. And CMC sees a lot of fucking touches. Yep. And it's 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 a little bit scary and frightening if you're an owner because yes, you get the fantasy points payout, but a guy who's had an extensive injury history seeing twenty plus touches a game, it makes you nervous every time he gets hit. Right. Um but that's something uh you know, we don't bank on injuries and we don't project injuries. So we love CMC. Keep Elijah Mitchell as a stash. But speaking of injuries, a guy came back from injury this week, Dugo, and that's Cooper Cup. Cooper motherfucking cup, dude. He came back and he was the truth again. He's the truth. He's the fucking truth. Bro, but one thing I will say, though, I did not expect Puka to keep up his production as well. And he absolutely did. He did. But let's talk about Cooper for a second. What did you like most about his return? And are you projecting him to keep on going throughout the year in the same pace? 100%. I think he's going to pace as a wide receiver one rest of the season okay and when i say wide receiver one i mean as a top 10 wide receiver that makes sense but he has the potential to pace as the wide receiver one now that justin jefferson's out yeah i think he can definitely get on that pace i just as far as ending as a wide receiver one i don't think that that's going to be necessarily possible just missing those first four games i mean it's just crucial i mean as far as his points wise i don't think it's going to make sense to be the one at the end but I do like that he's going to be out there balling out. And the sheer fact that a lot of people were saying that he was uh, even possible to be playing. Um, I, I, I think it's just one of those things that he got back. He's 100% healthy now, I'm assuming. So I just really enjoy the fact that, you know, you got Cooper Cup back again, healthy 100%, eating breakfast with his boy, Patrick Stafford. <laughs> You know, hey, bro, I'm excited for it. I think he is going to end as a top 10. It's just, like I said, missing those first four weeks is tough for a motherfucker. It is super tough. And obviously, he's not going to end as wide receiver one this year. Uh, I think moving forward, when you're talking about pacing for wide receiver one, it's going to be between him and maybe a Jamar Chase. Definitely. Who actually, he finally had a coming out party this year. He did. He did. Finally, he had- dude. He had, what, what was it, like 20 targets or something like that? Something like that. But he ended with 49 points, depending on what sort of leagues you're in, which I definitely needed from this cat. I drafted him in the first round in one of my leagues. I finally look like I know what I'm doing in that league. And I'm excited, dog. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Jamar Chase overall throughout the season, he's second in targets amongst wide receivers. Uh, He's fifth in total touchdowns. He's second in total receptions amongst wide receivers. Crazy. And for fantasy, I mean, he's seventh amongst wide receivers in fantasy points per game. I think most of that, though, is from the 49 he just put up, though. Like, uh, leading up to that, he didn't have a really, like, a blowout game or a blow-up game or anything like that. Like, it was pretty much in between, like, seven points, I believe, and, like, 15. Like, 
it was really like not much else going on. So I was excited to see that he finally blew up for a little bit more than that. How much of that do you blame on Joe Burrow's health at the time? And how much credit do you give Joe Burrow in terms of his health and where he's headed? Well, I honestly don't know how much more healthy he really is. I mean, we were just have like people on TV, people everywhere. We're having discussions about, oh, like if Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals lose this week, like, should they be looking at putting him on IR and pretty much just, like, folding for the year? Which means that there still must be some sort of injury going on because, I mean, you're not just going to do that to a guy who's completely healthy. Mm-hmm. But with Jamar Chase, dog, like, I, I think that a lot of it came from the fact that if you look at the Arizona Cardinals defense, it just isn't very talented. So I think that's probably one of the re- bigger reasons why it happened. But – I mean, like, when you're when you're Jamar Chase and when you have the stature to say, hey, I'm 7-11, I'm always open, motherfuckers are going to start throwing your way regardless of what's going on. And I think that he finally got that, you know, sense of relief from Joe again. Like, hey, like, I can't trust you. Like, not saying that they lost that trust or anything. Don't get me wrong. But I do think that all in all, like, when you look at what was happening throughout the year, like, something was going on. I mean – even T. Higgins, he didn't play this past week, but he hasn't gotten off yet. So it's just one of those things where I think it might be more Joe's health than anything. But I also credit to, like I said, that Arizona Cardinal defense isn't very talented right now. They're not talented, but they play hard. Yeah, they, they play, play super hard. hard, don't get me wrong, and they scheme well. Mm-hmm. And they have a defensive head coach, which you don't want to get beat by the best player, which unfortunately you did this past week. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's going to happen every once in a while against a Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. I think that a bright spot if you have Joe Burrow on your roster, and maybe you've been struggling for the first few weeks of the fantasy season, is that Joe Burrow is pacing right now as number three amongst quarterbacks. And, that's nice. And pass attempts. Oh, okay. And pass attempts. So he's throwing the ball up a lot. And if you have a Jamar Chase, you have to love the fact that he's sixth amongst wide receivers and his win rate against man coverage. Because Joe Burrow, funny enough, is sixth in his man coverage throw rate. So Joe Burrow throws well against man, and Jamar Chase catches well against man, and that contributed to Jamar Chase's breakout game uh, in week five against the Cardinals. Damn, dude. I was just looking at the roster or uh, at our waiver wire on our redraft league. Okay. I didn't know that you had dropped Brandon Cooks. Yeah. What the hell is that for? I mean, obviously, coming off to a historic slow start. Yeah, he's the wide receiver 103 in fantasy. You have no faith in him going forward, though. No. Why is that? Uh, Let's talk about it. Let's talk about him, and let's also talk about Dak Prescott, Dugo. Okay, let's do that. Because both those guys have been disappointing for fantasy, and my rule for fantasy has always been that, hey, in three weeks, I know who you are. I might give you four weeks if I drafted you with high-end draft capital. Right. Seventh round, though. You drafted this guy in the seventh round. Doesn't ra- matter. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Sheesh. If you're wrong, you're wrong. And that's the one thing about fantasy. Like, you guys can't be right about everything, and you're not going to be wrong on everything. Brandon Cook just wasn't getting the job done. The guy, over the course of four weeks, because he missed the week two game against the Jets, but in four weeks within a half PPR league, he has a total of 10 fantasy points. He's How many of that is accredited to catches? He has a total of nine catches in four games. So four and a half of those ten are catches. 
980 yards. That's fucking crazy. He's he's not good, dude. Wow. And this is a situation in which even if he does come out later in the year, he's he's wasting a roster spot. And as somebody in that same league where I dropped Brandon Cooks, I also had James Conner, who's now injured and going yep. into my IR. Yep. I got to pick up a couple running backs so I can have options. Right, but I mean James Conner. I mean he's just going on your rot or into an IR spot. I mean true. That's not a necessary roster spot at that point. Well, he's going into my IR, so I have a free roster spot now. Right. So right. like I want to go and take a shot on somebody who can replace that value. Yeah. And truth be told, brother, like that offense just. <sighs> I know it's the Niners' defense, but they looked fucking horrible Sunday night. They did. They did. They looked so bad. C.D. Lamb's their one and only option. They have no other passing options. Their second-best passing option is Tony Pollard, who comes out the backfield and might get you five, six yards in the catch. Yeah, I guess I, I understand what you're saying with that. And, I mean, not even according to how bad they looked this past Sunday, but how good they looked the rest of the year, and he hasn't been uh, a part of it. He is god off kind of this year. And me, I guess looking back on it. That's not saying he won't maybe come to life later in the season, but dude, like it's week five. We're going into week six. Mm-hmm. Like we're fighting for playoff positioning. We're fighting for something that's going to be more important than him popping off for one or two weeks. That's fair. That's fair. You know, so it's like I'd rather have Curtis Samuel right now than Brandon Cooks. Dude, I'm so happy that I picked up Curtis Samuel. Oh my god, dude. I got that guy. Late rounds in a lot of leagues. Late rounds. Mm-hmm. And this guy has somehow just proved me right again. Proved me right again. <laughs> Tell me more about it. Just, you know, like, just coming into the year, like, we were just looking at these, you know, offenses and stuff like that, that, you know, hey, like, these guys are pretty good last year, blah, blah, blah. But when you looked at the commanders, like, you had Jahan Dotson, obviously got Scary, uh, Scary Terry over there. But then you also got this Curtis Daniel, who last year he was doing all these, you know, jet sweeps and all these other, you know, like, mishap things that just, you know, not a lot of other uh, wide receivers are doing. But he's also being really effective with it, and he's doing a lot of other, you know, just he's running routes super cleanly too with this upgrade. I think in quarterback from what you had in Taylor Heineke. Hundred percent. I I just didn't see how it was going to be necessarily like a terrible play. Like I thought, oh, like whatever, it's his sixteenth round. If I'm wrong on a guy, yeah. But the sheer fact that he's inside wide receiver forty at this point in all leagues, I believe. I, I'm just super excited about him. I'm super happy with Curtis Samuel. I uh, if you're out there, if you need a wide receiver, he's available in a lot of leagues, folks. I would go out and I would at least stash him. He's he's gonna be productive, I believe, for weeks to come. And I'm not sure if Jahan Dotson's out right now. I'm not sure if he's injured, but Curtis Samuel is just continuing to prove how productive he is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. I'm excited about Curtis Samuel a lot. I like a versatile receiver like Curtis Samuel. And that Eric B and me offense where they get creative. Right, right, exactly. And I love what he's done the last couple of weeks in terms of his production. He's wide receiver thirty three on the season. If 33. you guys if you guys play in half PPR leagues, if you play in twelve team leagues, he's a wide receiver three. And, you know, he gets his touches like in a myriad of different ways. But once again, he's somebody that I like more than a Brandon Cooks who's been shit. Dak Prescott's another guy, man. Like, Dak Prescott's ceiling every week feels like it's two touchdowns. If you're lucky, you get 300 yards. More than likely, you're going to get 225 to 250. 
He's not going to be a overly explosive runner. Maybe you get 10 to 15 to 20 yards. But ultimately, what you're looking at with Dak Prescott, a, a guy who likes to throw interceptions, mm-hmm. is you're looking at maybe 225 through the air, right? So let's say that's... Well, nine. I mean, leading up to this week, like, I don't think Dak had much for interceptions. I think he was actually pretty clean as far as a passer. But then, obviously, I mean, we talked about it. going against the 49ers. That's just a, it's a beast of an offense. Hey, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, yes, he was playing relatively clean, but his defense was scoring a lot of points. Right. And he the had Co- in really good positions. Yeah. The Cowboys' defense was the overwhelming reason why they were winning those games. And so, moving forward, like, next week he plays the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Um, coming out of that, he has to play the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about having a quarterback in a high-scoring affair like you were talking about with Bryce Young, uh-huh. I would look at Dak Prescott in that situation just because the Chargers don't have a very good defense at all. The I, I mean, we talked about the Cowboys. They definitely do. The Cowboys have a tremendous defense. Uh-huh. But if you want to talk about a high-scoring affair, I think it's going to be the Cowboys – Versus the Chargers, who now have their old OC, who probably knows every trick in the book that Mike McCarthy had told him. The reason I would like a Bryce Young more than a Dak Prescott in some cases is because Bryce Young's defense isn't the Cowboys' defense, which is going to limit the Chargers' offense. So I don't think it's as much of a shootout compared to Bryce Young, whose defense is shit. And, like, his defense is going to give up maybe 35, 42 points potentially. Yeah, but do you really – I mean – I just feel like with the Miami Dolphins, there's no chance of keeping up with them, especially if you're the Carolina Panthers. Like, I feel like by the second half, they might be looking at putting Bryce Young on the bench. I think for Doc Prescott, you're hoping for a shootout if he's ever going to be productive. And, like, even last week against the Niners, they lost by, like, 30 points. I know. And he still put up six points total for fantasy. But that's also another top five defense as well. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Um, and I guess moving forward, like, I like Bryce Young a lot. Uh, Dak Prescott, he's kind of, I've fallen out of love with the man. He's not what he has been in previous years. And Mike McCarthy's offense, as, as Packer fans, we know what it is. It's Devontae Adams. It's the run game, which previously was Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And, you know what I'm saying? The defense needs to hold up. I just feel like I'm not out of, I'm not out of love with them yet. I mean, it might be because I have C.D. Lamb on my team, and I mm-hmm. mean, he's wide receiver twenty right now. If you're in half PPR, but nonetheless, I mean, I still think that there's a bunch of upside going forward. I mean, I'm sorry, but the Cowboys aren't going to play the Forty ers ever again in the regular season this year. This is not happening. Yeah. So I just feel like if you are accustomed to these guys scoring a bunch of points, it's going to happen. Just yeah, they ran into an absolute buzzsaw mm-hmm. it's going to happen teams have shitty weeks just in general totally. the sheer fact that they ran into the 49ers kind of crazy as well so i don't know i wouldn't lose all the faith in the uh cowboys quite yet i understand what you mean i just think that jake ferguson cd lamb maybe not brandon cooks but i feel like all those guys are going to get on the roll again so speaking of guys who haven't performed like they have the year prior uh, I mean, let's talk about some breakout games from last year. Because, Hell yeah. You know, Zach Moss was a guy who was electric last year. Um, Moss electric last year? Last week, I'm sorry. 
But Zach Moss had a fucking game, dude. He had the game of his goddamn career. Uh, Zach Moss in week five went crazy. He is now the RB6 in fantasy football. And my dude had 23 touches for 165 yards and two touchdowns. That's wild. Damn. Jonathan Taylor, on the other hand, you know, first game back. Been a while. But he had six rush attempts for 18 yards. You think that that's going to be the... I don't think that's going to be their formula for success going forward, though. I don't think that's the norm. But what do you expect out of Jonathan Taylor, like, for the next month? I honestly think that we're going to be probably switching those roles. I think that Zach Taylor or Zach Moss is going to be getting around those six carries, six, eight carries, whatever it may be. And, yeah, they might be red zone carries as well, just because if you want to look at uh, back who I would consider more of a power back compared to a guy that you've spent second round draft cap on, a guy that you just signed to another three year deal worth 42 mil. I would say, yeah, I'd probably rather use this guy that, you know, I can throw out there. And if he gets absolutely cracked, I, I don't have to live with the sheer fact that I just signed him to a huge deal. So, sure, like if you want to look at it that way, I just think we might be looking at the roles reversed in the next couple of weeks. And I think that Jonathan Taylor is definitely going to be popping off and going back to hopefully his 2020 form. Yeah. Like even with those stats last week, he did have a 16 yard catch. So he ends as RB 38 on the, on the week. Uh, next few weeks are pretty tough though. He plays the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive front. Uh, after that, he gets the Cleveland Browns with miles Garrett mm-hmm. week eight. He gets the new Orleans saints defensive front. And the next three weeks are going to be tough. And I do think that Jonathan Taylor is going to provide buy low opportunity. Because uh, most likely the guy that you're going to be trading, you know, for him from, or the guy who has Jonathan Taylor, has had to wait a month to see him finally get on the field. And the next month is filled with a lot of tough defensive fronts. I just feel like that guy who has waited for him all this time, though, they're not going to want to give him up like that. Or they're mm-hmm. going to at least want to see him go through the ringer for the next couple of weeks and see, damn, like, did I put too much into this guy? Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to be quite a bylo situation quite yet. Maybe give it a few weeks if that's what you're expecting. Yeah. But I just I feel like Jonathan Taylor is going to be going back to doing special shit again. That's just where I'm at with Jonathan Taylor. Who would you rather have the next month? And it's going to be kind of a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Go ahead. Uh, Zach Moss or Brees Hall? Brees Hall, dog. <laughs> Brees Hall, 100%. Brees yeah. Hall with no limitations. Give me Brees Hall. Brees went crazy last week, dude. He's fucking insane. Dude, Brees Hall last week. Um, If you guys don't know, once again, me and Duke go play in the same fantasy league. We played in the same fantasy league for a while now. And uh, Brees Hall is one of the guys that I own within that respective league. I took him hella early, second round, and he finally paid off, man. It finally paid off, but hey, bro, like that's what it's about. It's about taking those risks on those guys who can take you down the stretch. Brees Hall has all the possibilities of taking you down the stretch. The dude has the eighth most rushing yards or like top 10 most rushing yards in the NFL, and he has like the 25th most rush attempts. It is insane what he does on a per carry basis. Uh, right now, I think throughout the course of 2023, he's averaging over seven yards per carry, which is astronomical. Most of your best running backs only average around maybe four to five. Yep. 
Last week he had 22 carries for 177 yards. So nearly 200 fucking yards. He had a touchdown. And he still had three receptions out the backfield. And the Jets won the game. That doesn't happen a lot. No. No, it doesn't. So Brees Hall had a crazy game and they won. What do you think Robert Sal is going to do to keep this train going so they can hopefully get Aaron Rodgers back? Well, I mean, definitely I think that regardless they're going to be leaning on Brees Hall to go forward. But, I mean, this guy just has a massive stretch after this bye week. He's going to have one crazy game against the Eagles, which holy shit. good luck trying to predict what he's going to do on that. Then he has his bye week. Holy shit. But go on and read the next few games after that one, after that bye week. Yo. Brees Hall. Okay. I'm like, I'm I'm freaking the fuck out because this is the first time I'm actually looking at his upcoming matchups. Week six, Brees Hall plays the Philadelphia Eagles, which is one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. And then after that, the guy has a bye, right? In week eight, he plays the Giants. In week nine, he has the Chargers offensive front or a defensive front, which is not great against the run. In week 10, he gets the Raiders, who A.J. Dillon just had a you know season high against. In week 11, he gets the Buffalo Bills, who have a weak defensive front against the run. And then week 12, he gets the Miami Dolphins off defense, which is which is soft. Uh, for reference, those matchups from week 8 through week 12 are some of the softest running matchups in the NFL. And we're talking about a guy who averages the most yards per carry in the NFL. So imagine what happens when he gets a bunch of yards on a ton of carries against the weakest run defenses that the league has to offer. Especially when he's going to be the designed number one back. Like, leading up to this point, other than I think this week, he has been designed to be splitting carries with Dalvin Cook. He's been designed to be doing all this and that. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to be his backfield. Playoff matchups. Week 15, he gets the Dolphins defense once again, which is weak against running games. Week 16, he gets the Washington Commanders, who may or may not be competitive at that point. And week 17, he gets the Cleveland Browns. So, I mean, going from basically now until the end of the playoffs, he has so many more cake matchups than he has bad ones. And he's one of the most efficient, if not the most efficient running back in the NFL behind guys like maybe, I don't know, Devin A. Chain or Devin A. Chan. Chris McCaffrey, you know, like the top dogs. We're talking about the top dogs when we bring top up dogs. Christian McCaffrey. This dude has league winning potential. And if for any reason you can buy low on the guy or you can buy him at all, uh, he's one of my strongest buys going forward uh, for this fantasy season. So I know that we didn't have this on any sort of record or anything, but I want to just ask you something quick. What are your thoughts on Brandon Ayuk so far this year? And would you put him in somewhat of a buy category right now? Are you going to try to sell him? What What are your thoughts on Ayuk so far? Um, if I'm in a dynasty league, I'm buying Brandon Ayuk. I'm trading for Brandon Ayuk. His price is going to go up next year. Brandon Ayuk is a guy who I think is going to get he he's going to be eligible to go ahead and sign a new contract because he's now ending his fourth year with the Niners. He's a first-round pick. First-round pick, so he gets five, okay. But I do think that it's a situation in which if he asks for a trade, 
Like, I think they're going to honor it. Right, something like almost, not necessarily like an A.J. Brown was like, yeah. he's probably around that same vibe. Yeah, I get he, it. He will not go into year five and not be paid after this year. Right. That will not happen. Brandon Ayuk, I've been saying that for the, the entire summer, but he has a Stefan Diggs-like career arc, I think, coming up soon. Okay. Okay. Very much like Stefan Diggs, in which Diggs was really great in Minnesota. He was putting up numbers. He had Adam Thielen, who, okay, let's say this Debo. Uh, but he had another, you know, great receiver playing across the line from him. Uh, he went out to another team, and he became astronomically great for fantasy football and in the NFL. Brandon Ayuk is the best receiver in San Francisco. Okay. And if San Francisco doesn't pay him, he's going to get big money to go be a wide receiver one somewhere like the New York Giants um, and a bunch of other teams that could use him. Maybe it's Green the, Bay Packers. Maybe it's the Texans with C.J. Stroud. Maybe. Who knows? But, but uh, let's talk about redraft for a second with Brandon Ayuk. Let's talk about redraft with him. If you're in a position right now, like let's say you just have a bountiful amount of RB2s. Maybe you have an RB1 in your fold as well. You're going to trade some of those running backs to get him if your uh, wide receiver core is a little late? Or what exactly are your thoughts with IU going forward? I would trade like a Isaiah Pacheco for okay. Brandon Ayuk. Okay. That's some good stock. So even like you'd be looking at like a James Cook or something like that as well. I would, because Isaiah Pacheco right now is RB11 because that offense, that offense gets into the red zone a lot. I didn't think he was that far or, Okay. So he's, okay, I apologize. He's RB13, but he's borderline RB1 regardless of 11 or 13. Right, right. The guy puts up points. He has three touchdowns in the last five games. He's efficient. As well, much. he's also a PPR back, too. Like It always seems like he's catching yeah. some balls out of the backfield. Yeah. So that's why I'm asking you about like someone like James Cook, kind of the same realm, kind of around the same rankings right now. I got to go James Cook uh, over Brandon Ayuk just because I think he gets so many more touches. Okay. Like, while I think Brandon Ayuk's the better overall player, James Cook as the RB1 in a Buffalo Bills offense just gets so many touches uh, to where I think they, they end the year maybe equivalent in points. But if you're asking me if I'd rather have a, a solid, solid, solid RB2 or a solid wide receiver 2, running back so much harder to come across, Right. give me the RB2 because it's harder to replace him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Isaiah Pacheco, I say Isaiah Pacheco for Brandon Ayuk because I do think that as we get deeper into the season, Pacheco is going to you know concede touches to like a CEH, um, a Jarek McKinnon, right. guys like that. Brandon Ayuk is going to be pretty consistently good. Yeah. Good. Like, good. Great some games. But ultimately, I do think that Ayuk ends up proving his value more than a Pacheco. Uh, But I guess, what do you think? Like, who do you think you would trade um, in order to get Brandon Ayuk? I mean, I feel like, uh, I don't know, because I was thinking about this earlier because I've been looking at some trades in, uh, in one of my leagues. It's my home league where it's no PPR, it's no nothing, so it's pretty much just the points that you earn, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm at a crossroads right now just because I have a bunch of RBs in there, and I looked at my wide receiver core kind of lacking. But, yeah, I I'm, I'm, I put it in the same category. I think if you can have a couple – if you have a couple RB2s in there, like I, like I was alluding to earlier, 
I think that you can't afford to give up at least one if you have a if you have three RB two pluses. I think that you might be able to afford to give up uh, Brandon Ayuk just because I think he can get you down the stretch going forward. At least playing a flex, playing your wide receiver one or two. I just think that he might be getting some more points for you, at least in a non-PPR league. Joe Mixon or Brandon Ayuk? Realistically, going forward, I'd probably say Joe Mixon. Okay. You think the Bengals offense picks up a little bit? Yeah, I think that Joe Mixon ends as at least a top 15 RB. Okay. Solid. Uh, Sam Laporta or Brandon Ayuk? Unfortunately, wide receivers just get more points. I don't care if you're tight end one or not. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably go with Brandon Ayuk just because I don't think Laporta is going to end as the one. We still got Travis Kelsey chasing him. And we also have TJ Hawkinson, who we just talked about earlier, who I think is going to be getting a lot more work. Mm-hmm. Um, all that to say, Sam Laporta is great. If you can get your hands on him, amazing. Um, but I would probably go Ayuk. Yeah, and I guess Sam Laporta right now is tight end one. Uh, so he's somebody that you talked about a lot in the summer, man. That's the only reason I really know who the fuck he is. Uh, dude's been popping off. He's tight end one on the season. He's been exploding with Jerry Goff. Yep. He's number one amongst tight ends in total touchdowns. He's number one amongst tight ends in reception yards. Yep. Pop your shit, bro. Tell me more about Sam. Bro, I mean, like, it was just – there's not much to say. I mean, when you just look at the tape from him in Iowa, like, he didn't do a lot. But in the opportunities that he was given, like, when you looked at I, – I hate to say it, but when we look back and look at the tape that you looked at with TJ Hawkinson and even Noah Fant coming out of Iowa in that same – a couple of years ago – both guys came out of that Iowa class. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both did a lot with little work. Mm-hmm. So it was just one of those things like, hey, like, this guy has all the possibilities. He's playing in the Big Ten, so I know he knows how to run block. Yeah, He just has all those things that when you translate it to the Detroit Lions, especially the Detroit Lions, because those guys are a bunch of fucking dogs right now. Big Lions fan right it, here. It just it works. It works perfectly because you have a guy – where he's going to be on the field probably 90, 95% of the snaps. And so when you're out there that many times, when you're out there integrated in the run schemes, when you're out there doing all that shit, it just leaves so many opportunities for you to get, you know, like those crisp wheel routes where he runs and can get down the seam. And, you know, like we've seen already, take it to the fucking house. The guy Mm -hmm. is just a beast. And I would say it's a combination between his skill set and the scheme that he's in that's leading to where he's at right now with tight end one. But, yo, like, I fucking called it. You guys better take advantage of that shit going forward. Sam Laporta is a beast. I like Sam Laporta. I think he's one of the better tight ends in the the NFL. I like him better than guys like Dalton Schultz, Tyler Conklin, Logan Thomas. I personally don't really fuck with Tyler Conklin. No, not much. But one thing, if we're going to talk about tight ends for a second – I do need to get my shit off about one thing that I did call earlier this year that no one thought was going to be possible. What's up? And that's Johnny Smith outpacing Kyle Pitts. Wow. Who the fuck else called that shit? Wow. Who the fuck else called that shit? Yeah, it was your boy Dugo. Crazy. Unreal. What the fuck did I call this? Oh, only because when you look at the track record with him on the Titans where he popped off, it only makes sense where he's coming back home. He's going to pop off again. I mean, I don't know, dude. Johnny Smith, him and him and Kyle are getting close. And don't get me wrong. 
Last week's podcast where I did a solo, I told people like, "Hey, call pits ain't shit. He ain't Get shit. off of call pits." And you know what the Falcons did today? They traded for Van Jefferson. Y'all. They traded for another receiver to add to Matt Collins, Cordero Patterson, and Drake London. Y'all. To go along with B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier. The offense is making a playoff push. The Falcons are making a playoff push, and I think that they're actually a they're a strong candidate to trade for Kirk Cousins if the Viking season does go in the shitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving forward, man, John New Smith is somebody that I'm still invested into. I would happily play him. I think that he's going to get his PT. If you don't have tight end options and he's all you got, hey, it's better than nothing. For sure. Right? Well, we just talked about, obviously, Van, Je- Van Jefferson was obviously a trade target for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some trade targets that we should be looking at in fantasy football. Oh, I got a big one. All right, what's going on, bro? I got a big one. Pause. Uh... <laughs> Yo, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, trade target, uh, moving forward. Adam Thielen. I like Adam Thielen a lot. I have him in a couple of my leagues. This guy is absolutely a beast, popping off, just getting targets, getting catches, getting yardage, getting some touchdowns every once in a while. The guy is just doing it all. He's a go-getter. Yeah. Adam Thielen is a borderline wide receiver one for us right now in fantasy football. It's an offense in which they don't have a ton of separators. Bryce Young is being asked to be a point guard that distributes the rock often. And Adam Thielen's the guy who's shooting from the corner. He's always open. And, you know, he's getting a ton of targets, a ton of opportunities. It's like J.J. Redick out there. I don't think most fantasy, like, football advocates are going to be super high on the guy because he's older. But even through... For redraft purposes, he's great, though. For redraft, he's great, but I feel like people have this stigma because of the age and because of the offense. Right, right. So, like, I think that he's someone who's, funny enough, is a buy-low candidate, even though he's a wide receiver one. Yeah. Uh, He's going to get targets, and targets are targets, points are points. Not all points are pretty, but points all count the same. So, Adam Thielen is someone I'm trading for. KJ Osborne for cheap right now, if he's on someone else's roster, is someone I'm trading for. He's available in like ninety percent of leagues though, so yeah. I feel like he's more of a roster or a waiver. He's more pickup. of a waiver pickup, I agree. Um, but those are the two guys that I'm really looking at. Uh, what about you, Dugo? I got a couple of running backs and a wide receiver for y'all. So I got Jalen Warren from the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, who I think y'all should be looking at. Why? The guy is just a PPR machine. So if you guys are playing in PPR leagues, this guy is getting a lot more catches than what uh, Najee's doing. He's getting more rushing yards than what Najee's getting, okay. and he's getting less snaps. So if I'm Matt Canada, that fucking piece of shit. He's Brees Hall 2.0. I'm going to be looking at myself, and I'm going to be like, hey, like, what actually gets my offense going? Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe it's a little bit more Jalen Warren. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking right now, guys, if we're about to get into those bye weeks where, like, oh, people are like, shit, I have this Jalen Warren guy, but he's on a bye and he can just be like, oh, like, let me just throw you something quick, you know, so you don't have to eat that bye, and I'll do it myself. Yeah. And then you just have an RB2 going forward the rest of the year. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to make your team a lot better. I also think that Chuba Hubbard is someone that we should be looking at as well because the last few weeks he's been outpacing Miles Sanders as far as touches. So I believe that when you look at stuff like that, it's going to lead that red zone work. It's going to be leading to more of those valuable touches. 
obviously there's something that they're seeing in there. So that's why I like Chuba Hover going forward. If you can buy him in a buy low opportunity, then Zay Flowers. Especially if you have Lamar Jackson on your team. We love Zay. I absolutely I believe that Zay Flowers right now, he might have been coming off to maybe a rocky start if you want to call it that. But I do believe that going forward the rest of the year, he is going to be picking up his slack. He's going to be going out there and balling out. And honestly, I think he's going to end as a top 15 wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think that the connection is going to become real in the next couple weeks. And we're going to be looking at something really special between these two. Quick question for you. Uh, for rookie wide receivers, what do you think of Quentin Johnson and JSN moving forward throughout the rest of the year for redraft? So I want to have a little bit more hope in Quentin Johnston going forward. Obviously, with the loss of Mike Williams, that yep. was tough. Not great. Um, you know, I I would hope that Quentin Johnston is able to pick up some of that slack. But if I'm going to be real with you, I still think that JSN has more upside going forward. Okay. Do you think he's usable if there's not an injury in Seattle? Yeah, I, I really do. I just think that it's going to be one of those things that they're just going to keep scheming this guy. Over and over again, it's one of those things with Pete Carroll. I mean, you can't have someone who is a first-round receiver not be schemed into your system. And, yes, it hasn't been pretty the first few weeks. Yeah, JSN's like a top 100 receiver right now. It's not pretty. But there's reasons for that. He has two receivers on his team that are wide receiver top 30s. Yeah, So agreed. Let's just dial it back a little bit with JSN. I think that he's going to get his schemes. He's going to be getting it going. I think that there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening for that team going forward, especially, I mean, like, they just kind of come off to a rocky start as well, the Seahawks in general. Mm-hmm. So I think that once they get their shit going, you know, they're down the stretch, JSN is going to be that cat. Okay. And I like it. it just, it, it's tough to stay with Quentin Johnston just because, I mean, even before the injury, Josh Palmer beat him out for that three spot to begin with. Yeah. And it's just tough to think that they're going to be like, oh, like, yeah, let's just, you know, throw it to Quentin Johnston other than, you know, Dow Farham, who's had like five touchdowns on the year, or, you know, this Gerald Everett guy at tight end who we absolutely love as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just tough to say. I mean, it's. That's just where I'm at with that. You could say kind of the same thing about the Seahawks with Noah Fant, but there's a reason why they got JSN. It's to fulfill that slot, and he's the perfect guy for that place. 100% agree. Uh, I think that Quentin Johnson is somebody who came into the season with a lot of like hype because of his physical traits. But in terms of his overall production, it just hasn't really been great. It hasn't. And that was something that we kind of talked to you guys about if you listen to our Dynasty podcast prior to the redraft season. If you guys don't subscribe to Fantasy Football with Gumbo, please do so. Please follow us on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've told you for the past two years that Drake London and Quentin Johnson are the most likely guys to be bust within the first round amongst wide receivers. And, um, I mean, we haven't really been wrong. Facts. Quentin Johnson, man, like, he's going into an offense in which Josh Palmer is very clearly the wide receiver, too. George Everett flanks out like a wide receiver like a slot receiver he's Dalton Kincaid but older mm-hmm. right and then you have uh, you know you have Keenan Allen yep QJ like as great as his highs is you can't rely on him for big catches he's a body catcher which we talked about a lot he doesn't comfortably catch balls within his hands 
And just straight up, man, the Chargers have a lot of pressure on them. They have a guy like Kellen Moore who needs to produce so he can get his coaching opportunities sooner than later. Mm-hmm. And, like, frankly enough, QJ's wide receiver 122 through yeah. the first week and a half. He has six catches in four games. Yep. He had a 51% snap share in week four without, you know, Mike Will. We'll and see what happens. I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see coming, what happens. We're coming off that bye, obviously. So hopefully they were able to integrate them into that scheme a little bit more. We'll see what happens with that coming against the Dallas Cowboys defense, which we've said extremely tough. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how much he got integrated into that. He's a later season ad, but regardless, he's somebody that um, you know you have to account for. Yeah. And we told you about our waiver wire pickups on the season yep. or on the week. So that's once again going to be guys like Jeff Wilson, Chris Brooks, KJ Osborne, Deontay Foreman, Curtis Samuel if he's available in your ten, you know your ten team leagues. Desmond Ritter, shit, maybe even Miko Hardman if he ends up somewhere like Miami. Would be interesting, man. Before we head out, though, one thing that we did last year that I want to get back to, give me your start of the week going forward. I'll knock it off before uh, before we get to it. Okay. But I got three for you guys. Obviously, I think Curtis Samuel is going to be a start of the week going against the uh, Falcons. They have a pretty tough defense, but one thing against those schemes, when you have a number three as dynamic as Curtis Samuel, he's going to find ways to get open. So that's why I like him. I also like Gus Edwards against the Titans defense this week. Titans pretty stacked against the run, but when you're keen on someone like Lamar Jackson, I think that you're able to find some holes. Lastly, I like Josh Downs against the Jaguars. I'll give you a position in running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Okay. Uh, Running back, I really like Raheem Mostert this week against the Panthers. I like that as well. I think that could be a blowout, and Raheem Mostert could get a lot of second-half action if – you know what I'm saying? He's healthy. Right. Uh, wide receiver-wise, I like Keenan Allen against the Dallas Cowboys, especially with no Trevon Diggs. Uh, I think that that offense is going to play a lot more zone coverage. Keenan Allen's going to eat. He's going to get his targets. They're coming off a bye. They've been scheming against his defense for the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's going to eat. And in terms of tight ends moving forward, um, I got to say, I this is more of a long shot. But I do like someone like uh, Logan Thomas. He plays for the Commanders, tight end for the Commanders against the Falcons. The Falcons are soft against tight ends. Uh, Logan Thomas is the tight end nine. Uh, the you know yeah, he the, just ate against the Bears this past week, didn't he? He didn't even play week three, and he's tight end nine. Yeah, he's having a really he's having a really productive season. And, you know, he just came off a game last week against the Bears in which he had nine receptions on 11 targets. Yep. I don't see why that should change as they go and play at the Falcons and they're fighting for a win as a team. Right. Um, so I think Logan Thomas is someone I like as a tight end to go ahead and finish as a, you know, a top tight, a top 10 tight end for you. Yeah, man. I'm excited to see what happens between Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas just because those are pretty much like their third weapons on that team in the receiving core. So, yeah. hell yeah, man. We'll have to make a bet on that or some shit. Love that, man. So, hey, we appreciate you guys for tapping in to another week of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Uh, Once again, make sure you guys hit that follow button and stay tuned with all of our latest episodes. We'll be dropping special shit throughout the season to go ahead and help you guys get extra wins. Uh, We provide tips, tricks, and advice. Uh, But until we meet again, my name is Ja. Hey, you know it's Dugo and listen, I appreciate y'all tapping with those head tops. Peace!